Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In the opening verse of our epistle lesson this morning, we hear St. Paul say to the Christians at Philippi, For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many millions and millions of Christians, including those of us here today, have often been comforted by these words of St. Paul. And I think that is precisely what the Apostle intended when he wrote them, to bring much-needed comfort and courage to the faithful. I'm going to say a little bit more about that later, but before I do, let's try and capture the tenor of Paul's letter here to the Philippians, in particular this passage in the opening in the first chapter. Our lesson begins with verse 6, but I want to back up to verse 3, where the apostle writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for you all. So the tenor is very upbeat, very happy, joyous. And the reason that Paul is so grateful and so overjoyed when he thinks about the Christians at Philippi is precisely because of what we read in verse 6. Because he is convinced that the one who began a good work in them will go on perfecting it until the day of judgment. They, the Christians at Philippi, and he both can take comfort and draw courage from the fact that the work will not be abandoned. It will not be aborted or cut short or fail regardless of any obstacles or enemies or setbacks they face, they and he can be assured that God will finish the work of salvation which he began. It's all going to come to a good and glorious end. And this gives Paul gratitude in his heart. It fills him with joy. It comforts him and it comforts them. Now his assurance of their eventual perfection is not based solely on God's faithfulness, and he makes that clear as well. It's not one-sided. It also relies on their participation. He says in verse 4 and 5, I always pray with joy in my every prayer for you all because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So he brings in their participation in God's work in their life, And he reiterates this in the verse right after verse 6, verse 7, saying, You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West. In the defense and confirmation of the gospel, all of you became partners in God's grace together with me. 
So the promise that we all hopefully find so comforting that the good work that God has begun will be brought to completion. This promise is rooted first in God's faithfulness, but it also includes our participation in the gospel and in grace. Let me read all these verses together so you can hear the flow of it. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for you all because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to think this about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, all of you became partners in God's grace together with me. Okay, what does he mean by their participation with him in the gospel and in God's grace? He means two things which are distinct but inseparable. First, they financially supported Paul while he was in prison, which he mentions two times later on in this epistle. And, as Paul says in verses 12 and 14, his imprisonment and their material support was actually beneficial for the advancement of the gospel. So he says, this was a good thing. In the providence of God, he used my imprisonment, but he used it through your material financial support to bring about a furtherance of the gospel. That's a big part of their participation, and I think it's important to stress this, because often we can fail, especially those of us who come from a certain, you know, persuasion before we became orthodox, we can fail to make the connection between sacrificial material gifts and the gospel and grace. St. Paul in this passage and in many other passages is, is never shy about making this connection. Secondly, and inseparable from their physical material support, he says that he has them in his heart. And when he speaks about their participation, their fellowship, their partnership, their being fellow partakers of grace, he is not, certainly not just speaking about their material support, but also about the fact that they are all unified in the bond of peace and in the grace of the Holy Spirit. They are sacramentally linked together in the gospel by love, which is manifest through their support. Again, he beautifully weaves together here Faith and works, right? Love and action. For him, this is no, these things are not mutually dis, uh, exclusive. They go together. They're bound up together. In the last few verses of our reading, St. Paul says a prayer for them. And he prays something interesting. He says, I pray that your love may abound. And he prays this a lot in his epistles. This is actually kind of a thematic prayer for St. Paul. That your love may abound. Our love needs to grow. It needs to grow. It needs to be perfected. It needs to overflow. We need to love more, and we need to love better. Paul prays this all the time, and he prays it here for the Philippians. We need to love more, and we need to love better. Our love needs to abound, to overflow, and be perfected. You know, one of the perennial problems that all of us face is sluggishness in spiritual zeal, you know, pulling up short, atrophy. 
lollygagging. How many of you have lollygagged this week? Coasting. Half-hearted efforts. You know, we play with sin. Maybe we haven't gone in for that sin, that besetting sin, whole hog, but you know, we dance around the edges. We play with fire. We hit the snooze button. It's snooze button Christianity. I told my classes at, at our school here uh, this past week, I said, whoever invented the snooze button was probably inspired by a demon. You should get, you should get a clock without a snooze button. This, this is the perennial problem of our life, right? Is snooze button Christianity. And that's what Paul is praying about here, that your love may abound. That's what he's addressing. Paul doesn't have a snooze button on his alarm clock. Paul runs with vigor. He fights with force. He presses on towards the high calling. And that's what he's praying for. That's the essence of what he's praying for. And he, and, and he prays this often for all the Christians that were in his care. That their love would abound. If you're sitting on the sidelines, it's time to get back in the race. Time to get back in the race. I mean, splash some cold water in your face, get up, and let's go. In this prayer, also, he makes a very interesting association with abounding love. He says that your love may abound, this is the prayer, he says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and insight. That's interesting. At first, that might seem a bit odd to tie love to knowledge. Which he does, but Paul often makes this connection in his writings. That our ability to love, the perfection of our love, and abounding love is directly tied to knowledge and insight. The opposite is often also uh, made known to us and is true. That ignorance and a darkened intellect is, is always described as a symptom of sin. The ignorance of God is punishment for failure to love, and it is described as a symptom of sin. The kind of knowledge and insight that St. Paul is speaking about here are, is when the, the, the noose, the eye of the soul, that part of man that is capable of knowing God, when it is illumined, bright with the light of the knowledge of God. And clearly the illumination of our noose, our intellect, is reliant on purity of heart. One and the same. And Paul says this also in this very passage. That you may have knowledge in order to approve what is good and right and therefore be blameless at the judgment and be filled with the fruit of righteousness. St. John the Apostle also tells us the same thing, that the pure in heart shall see God, shall have the knowledge of God. So what we have going on here in Paul's description and his praise of the Philippians, of his prayer for the Philippians, we have a, um, a chicken and egg problem, which actually the fathers talk about, the desert fathers talk about this, and acknowledge that we're not sure which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But when our love is not abounding, we are dark darkened. And when we lack knowledge and insight, we're darkened because our love is not abounding, in this darkened condition, we're incapable of abounding love. So we're trapped. We're sort of trapped in this vortex, this circular motion. 
And this all brings us back to that earlier point that I mentioned of why do we need to be comforted by Paul's assurance that God will bring the work he began to perfection as we continue to participate in the gospel and grace. Well, as we've been learning about in Sunday school class, the most dangerous demon we face is the demon, demon of acedia. And the very nature of this attack of acedia is to trap us in a futile inertia, which ends up producing a darkening of the soul, which is a lack of knowledge and insight. It is a failure to perceive truth, the reality of things. And by the way, the reality of things is good because God is the reality of things. As we have learned also many times here, the only one who does not win the race and come to perfection is the one who gives up and does not finish the race. So this explains why this acedia this sort of trapped inertia is such a serious threat to us because it causes us to sit down and quit. And this is why St. Paul's assurance in verse 6 is so comforting when we hear it in faith. Because regardless of how we feel or how things seem to appear, we are assured that the race is not thrown, it's not over, it is not futile, that there is a crown and that God is with us and he is pouring grace into those who call upon him for help and trust in him. And he will bring us to that completion. And we know that everything in this world and every demon is conspiring to strip us of this very hope. And if they do, we die. That's how important it is. But St. Paul who prayed for the Christians at Philippi, he is praying for us today. All of us. St. Paul in the heavens prays for us as well that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and in insight and that we might receive comfort and courage and grace as we cling to his words. For I am sure of this very thing that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.